Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we're going to be talking about getting the help you need for after the baby is born. You know the saying about how it takes a village? It's because life with a newborn is much harder than you think. How much support will you need, and how can you go about getting it? To find out, I'll be talking with Christy Sadrosny. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by the first eight days of being a mom, a day-by-day manual on taking care of the new mom as well as her newborn. Get a 10% discount by going to thefirst8days.com slash birthful. That's with the number eight, thefirst8days.com slash birthful. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, mamas and mamas-to-be. So... I have to start out again by thanking, 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 thanking all of you so much for listening, for downloading, and all the love that you're giving to the to the podcast. It's been amazing. Um, and as usual, I'll ask you to please, if you're liking it, which it seems that you are, do go and subscribe on iTunes, even if that's not how you usually listen to it. That'll be the best way for it to go up the rankings and get more people to listen to the podcast so you will be sharing with lots of other mamas. So if you do that and maybe leave a review, you will have my eternal gratitude. All right. So in today's show, I'm super excited to be talking to fellow doula and fabulous maternity advocate, Christy Sadrasny. Before being a doula, Christy spent years specializing in prenatal and postnatal massage, but then her clients started asking her to attend their births, and that radically changed the direction of her life's path. Within a week of her doula training, she attended her first birth and has been supporting women and family ever since she got hooked. Christy is an advocate for women's right to have a healthy, positive birth experience in the environment of her choice. And her methods in supporting women includes mindfulness, evidence-based education, and an open heart. She is also a certified lactation uh, lactation counselor and educator. Um, In 2010, Christy founded the Village Wellness Project, as a community of wellness practitioners with varying specialities, I can't say that word, whom were operating and marketing under the same brand. After much success as a community, the Village Wellness Project has turned its focus towards education and support for families during pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. In 2013, Christy extended her support services further by launching Expecting NYC, a pregnancy support center in Manhattan. And most recently and excitingly, she is co-producing the documentary Expecting Support with the hope of awakening people everywhere to the importance of birth and postpartum support. Christy, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on your show today. So excited to have you here. You've got so much going on right now. I do. <laughs> but it all revolves about a sa- around the same central axis of helping women during their childbearing years. So why are you so passionate about this? Well, it's really interesting. I don't have children, um, but I've been working with pregnant women for nearly a decade now. And I've seen patterns that have come up 
over and over and over again over the years with my clients. Um, and I see that when they get support from doulas, midwives, OBs, their family, their community, they really thrive. And so um, just by witnessing, I have changed my the way I look at community and the kind of people I want around me in my life. And so I feel like this is a wonderful message to share. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and you can see the difference. I find that's what's most rewarding about the job is it's basic information that you're giving. Like you need sleep, you need support, you need to take care of yourself. You need to be mindful. You need to listen to your body. But when people do, you see the difference. Yes. And oftentimes they don't, they feel it in the moment, but it's looking back that they really see, wow, that was, that really transformed my experience. Um, or vice versa, you know, they look back and they say, I really could have used some extra help the first two weeks when my baby came home. Mm -hmm. And it always seems it, it's having a newborn is really hard. And people sometimes are blindsided by how hard that can be if they don't think about it beforehand. And, and I find so many moms prepare for that birth and figure, oh, then the newborn part will just happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's a baby. How hard is it to take care of a baby? Right. Uh, and in some ways it's not. It's 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 just takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. And so, um, you know, in our culture, we spend a lot of time our our care providers prepare women for the birth. They they their our care providers are looking out for the pregnancy by seeing their patients regularly, first monthly, then then twice a month, then once a week. And then they're then they give birth and then nobody sees them. And so I think we sort of set it up in this way that women are just inherently thinking about the birth and the postpartum is sort of an afterthought. Yeah, so true. There is a, a gap in maternal health care. I was watching a one of the videos you sent me about the role of a doula and um, I, I thought it was very interesting that you actually go and do your first postpartum visit three days out. Yeah, I try to, usually within three days um, or four, you know, depending, usually the, the day after they come home from the hospital. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so how does having that extra support and that f right after they come from the hospital, what do you do for them? How, what is, does that support look like? Well, research tells us that women often give up breastfeeding within, usually on the third day postpartum. And so why do they give up breastfeeding that day? And one thing we do know is that milk usually transitions to mature milk then. And so breastfeeding, if it was, go if it was going well, it can suddenly become challenging. Um, the baby is, if the baby wasn't nursing well, then they're doing and they don't have the support to help them and so I like to come in that day because you know they say with the tears comes the milk there's also a big hormonal fluctuation that happens then mm -hmm. and so by being there it sort of normalizes the experience that yes breastfeeding is hard today and, and that's normal it's a it's a big journey home from the hospital too you know you were in the hospital you had nurses helping you you had people around all the time and then and then even just getting in a car with a newborn something you've never done before and coming home is exhausting for mom and it's exhausting for baby and so there's sometimes hiccups that happen yeah um actually watching 
that comment of yours and this that we're talking right now is making me think and reevaluate my uh, own practices because usually I see moms for postpartum seven to ten days which is kind of what we were taught and the doula training and suggested but I always call them day two to check in and to remind them that day three is coming that mm-hmm. The you know hormones topple and yes the tears come and then you're being sent home and doing much more and even just having that little reminder of tomorrow's gonna suck probably (laughs) but it's okay you can do this um can make a world of difference yes it's like oh yeah because when they're in the middle of it their partner can then say oh remember adriana told you this would happen and then they they sometimes laugh and they feel the relief but but you, when you're in it and you're not expecting it, it's like you think you, women think they can't do it. They're like, oh, my gosh, what was I thinking? I can't have a baby. How am I supposed to do this? And so, you know, sometimes reaching for the first um, the first thing to quiet the situation is a bottle and formula <laughs> often because it – ah, the mom and dad relaxes. Baby feels that and baby stops crying and everyone's like, oh, thank God for that bottle. But really it's just like – Hmm, maybe we need to talk about what is happening physiologically and get another person in here. Mm-hmm. Um, which is huge, that whole getting a, a lactation consultant or a lactation counselor or somebody to help out with that immediately because, and I know we're like, coming at this tough pick roundabout, we've, got, we've gone down a different path, but um, it problems with breast, breastfeeding can snowball very quickly. So what was a bad latch can then turn into bad latch and problems with transfer and affect your milk supply. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and, and there's so much varying advice that's given at the hospital and from friends and family. And so it's like, it's, it's sometimes hard for a woman to find her way in, in the middle of all of that. And so if you can pick one person like one lactation consultant or one doula trained lactation counselor, then you have, you're really getting advice from like one source that really knows you that has spent a lot of time understanding you and preparing you. And so it's very important to have that, that lifeline, that phone number ready to go if you find yourself having a hard time. Mm -hmm. So that's, that brings it back to the topic of building your village. You've got, one person who can be for breastfeeding, what else can you bring in to build that village to get the support that you need? Definitely. So the first thing you have to do when you're thinking about building your village or setting up that postpartum time is to, to start to identify what your needs might be during the post the prenatal period. So birth ed class, you pretty much have a good idea of how you want the birth to go down. You're prepared for different scenarios to happen. Then you need to start thinking about like, okay, so what does a newborn look like? What does sleep look like with a newborn? What does feeding look like? And so if you understand that you're going to be feeding this baby on demand, which which essentially is like every two to three hours in a 24-hour period to an hour, there's not much time left over in between. Um, and so things like, you know, cooking cleaning, childcare for older children, for toddlers, that stuff cannot be done by mom and even dad or partner in the early time. Um, so you really want to set up childcare for your toddler. Um, you want to have 
food ready to go in the fridge. And so if you're not a, if you're not someone who cooks, then recruiting your family and friends, people who want to help you, start making a list of things that they can do to help. Um, even, you know, your, your village could be Fresh Direct, you know, or some grocery service where you have your shopping cart full and ready to go so that when you, when you are in the postpartum time and, and you can't even imagine buying food, it's, it, it'll arrive at your door when you need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with the cleaning, I just recently saw this. It was on Facebook somewhere. I post one of those cards, but it said, you know, sleep when your baby sleeps, clean when your baby cleans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's like, exactly. Your job is not to clean your house. Like if you're, if you're having your, say your mother-in-law over to help, a lot of times our parents will come for a month for the postpartum time or two weeks. And so your mom's holding the baby and you find yourself scrubbing the toilet. That's a big problem. That should not be happening. So the, the most important thing to remember is what your role, what a mom and dad's role is in this. And so mom's role is to take care of the baby. Dad's role is to take care of mom. Everybody else takes care of mom and all of the other stuff. There's no, there's no mom taking care of cleaning toilets or <laughs> cooking food for, I had one client whose um, mother came to help quote unquote help after the baby came. And so this mom's like five days postpartum and her mother brought over a bag of laundry for her to do. She oh. said, Oh, here, here's my laundry from the hotel. Can you do it while we go sightseeing today? What? So, you know, and that, that seems like so ridiculous, but it's also, it happens and it's not, or it's like, here, let me hold the baby so you can get the laundry done. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people are doing it to be awful, but I think they're just, they don't think about it. And so what we have to do as parents is think about it for them ahead of time. When you're in the middle of the postpartum period, you're not, it's going to be hard to say, hey, mom, can you do the laundry? But if you do, if you have a list written out that says, here are tasks that need to be completed on a regular basis, then you can just say when mom's like, what can I do to help you? Or grandma says, what can I do to help you? You say, oh, can you look at the list? It's on the fridge. Mm-hmm. No, that's a perfect advice because not only does it take the pressure away from you having to ask directly. It also allows the person who wants to help to be directed because everybody wants to help, but you don't quite know how. So it gives them a way to help. And more importantly, they can look at the list and see what they like doing and mm-hmm. choose that because somebody might be like, oh, I can empty the dishwasher. That's no problem. Or I'll put a look, but I'm not going to fold laundry. So mm-hmm. it gives some nice flexibility to you to that village. Yes. And it also allows them to be, um, what's the right word? But yeah, it allows them to feel a little control, like you're saying, and take initiative. Because mm-hmm. people, I think, feel cautious in someone else's home. They don't necessarily want to step on anyone's toes, and they don't want to feel like, oh gosh, if I'm cleaning her kitchen, she's going to think that I think she's messy. When it's like, no, that's not what we're thinking. She just needs help. And so by writing it out really creates freedom and space for people to define their roles and to stay within them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love it. I, I love the list on the fridge. I think it's it's a beautiful, beautiful um, tip. What other, what other good tips do you have for moms? Well, even just 
having your preferred food choices written out so that, you know, some people are picky eaters um, and they hate their mother's cooking. And so it's (laughs) like if you say these are the restaurants I like ordering from or these are the kinds of foods I like to eat, then it it takes care of that. So you don't have that awkward moment of like, well, I don't really like tuna casserole. And I have like four of them in the freezer from other people. (laughs) So you can send these emails out. Like when people want to visit the baby, which everyone wants to visit your baby, you can choose when you want them to come over and you can say, hey, can you grab some avocados? That's what you can do for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the... The, another thing that I like to suggest to new parents is to have visiting hours. Oh, that's a wonderful idea. So that they know, they have a clear idea of like, people are not just going to show up or we're not going to have to say, no, you can't come at this time by sending that email or leaving on the answering machine or the voicemail saying, we're doing great, babies, you know, born this size and we have a girl, we have a boy. And you can come visit us between this and this, call us first. (laughs) Don't just show up. (laughs) Um, And you also don't expect any visitors before 11 a.m. because you will not be ready. (laughs) You know, like the 9 a.m. visits aren't usually the good ones. You want to push it later in the day so you have plenty of time to kind of nap and catch up from whatever happened the night before. Oh, that's a nice one. I like that one. Um, What other one? There's, There's the whole... Uh, idea of even if you, you know, you, we said you could come at three o'clock this afternoon, call us first, or there might be a note on the door saying, things aren't going so great. Can you just leave the food that you brought? <laughs> Walk away and thank you. <laughs> yeah. And it, I think that just, you know, it's such a great idea what you're saying because our guests know that it's a challenging time and they, and they don't know how long they should stay. It just clears up so much awkwardness when you can be direct and 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 just say what what it is that you need and want. Mm-hmm. And we tend to be we have a really hard time asking for help. Like these things sound really easy, yes. <laughs> but they're very difficult to do. <laughs> well, that's the whole you know the the building your village thing and the film I'm working on expecting support is so much we're we're looking at vulnerability so we're we're spending so much time looking at like well why is it so hard for humans to ask for help in this culture um and and to really think about the kind of person we are so if you're a woman who is a caretaker and you're often taking care of others then you're probably that's going to come up for you in birth and the postpartum time so how do you spend time really thinking about that and sitting with that so that you're ready for that impulse. Like I'm a caregiver. I want to help and make sure everyone else is comfortable. How do I like make sure that I'm not doing that? Because really you have to take care of yourself and you have to remember what your job is. And it is only to take care of your baby. If you're trying to take care of your baby and your sister and your mother, then you're going to be overwhelmed and exhausted. And so like come back to center, come back to that. That's a great point. Um, And I think that vulnerability also allows for the fact that having a new baby doesn't mean that everything has to be rosy. Not everything has to be okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's a learning process. The the postpartum period is about learning about a new human. And so 
you know, we just because you have this baby growing inside of you for 10 months doesn't mean you're going to know them yet or know or anticipate all of their needs. And so in any other relationship, we have a realistic expectation like, okay, well, I'm going to get to know you over time. I, I'm going to know what you pref- how you prefer to eat your meals and <laughs> how you prefer to go out. And so you have to learn this about your baby too. And, and it takes time because your baby can't speak either. So you're picking up on really subtle things like, like clenched fists and furrowed brows and different cries and different, different times periods during the day. So over, over six weeks, you're going to start like really honing in and understanding what things mean, but you can't expect to know this kid at all in the beginning. (laughs) Like really, you're, it's just a new person and they're just learning about themselves too. And one of the things that I like to tell um, parents when they're, you know, this new baby and how is baby going to eat? And when we're doing the postpartum preparation workshops, just being mindful of the concept that this baby doesn't even know it's an eye, doesn't even know that those arms are arms and belong to her or him. So right. As they hit his face, you know, it's like, it's not, why are you, why are you hitting yourself? Well, there's so many deep concepts in that small phrase (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that they have no idea. And just stepping back and trying to understand it from that point of view is what you're saying. For the baby. Yeah, yeah. And like, it's so interesting that you're saying that because like the only thing the baby does know this is kind of amazing. The only thing the baby does know is the sound of their parents' voice. So mm. that is what they can track and pay attention to. But other than that, it's all new. Light is new. Sounds are new. Smells are new. Temperatures. So like you can imagine how uncomfortable and intense that whole thing is for them. Which leads them to be, they can get overwhelmed really easy and overstimulated. Yes. And so that's why you want to keep visitors to a minimum because your baby can get overstimulated from it. And so you want to make sure that you can start learning what is a baby who's starting to get overwhelmed by its surroundings. And you don't want to have to worry about sending Aunt Jane home. You want to be able to say, oh, look, the baby's getting overstimulated. Let me go in the room and close the door. Mm -hmm. So, so, I mean, I think it's important for us to talk about, like, we're saying how a lot of help can be distracting and having people around and guests seem like, oh, gosh, I don't want anybody. But you're going to need somebody, right? You're going to need some help. So to early on or at some point in your pregnancy, you want to identify who is good help and, and what does that look like? What would your perfect situation look like? Write it down. Think about it. And then that's when you begin recruiting the different types of help. You have your cooking help. You have your cleaning help. You have your shopping help. Um, So essentially everything is off your plate. And then the other thing is making peace with, okay, I don't really have too many people to help me right now. I don't, the dishes don't have to be washed. To give yourself this freedom to let that stuff go. That is huge. So huge. So huge. And give yourself the freedom to, you know, you may not need a shower every day. Because you might not need to get to a shower every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? I can't even take a shower. It's like, well, you're not supposed to be. You're supposed to be feeding a baby. Um, this, This doesn't last forever. This is a 
you can expect at least the first three weeks to be about building and um, sort of setting up your milk supply, right? So, you know, that's why feeding on demand is so important. Your baby's belly is teeny tiny. It starts out the size of three peas and gets to the size of like a walnut and then a ping pong ball. That's really small. And so the baby metabolizes food really fast. And, and so you have to be available to feed the baby. Um, and nothing else is important. It just really is not. Um, so, you know, when you're building your village, you want to have lactation help, lactation support ready to go, even if it's just a phone number. Maybe you have a La Leche League leader that you can call. You know, there's a nursing group every Wednesday in your neighborhood. Have that on the calendar ahead of time. Um, also, like, what else? Do you have any other ideas for building your village besides the nursing help, the cleaning, cooking, childcare? Right. So I also give them a few resources that are not related to people and that can be done at two in the morning when you're about to fall apart and everything's quiet and, you know, the mind's racing. So kellymom.com is one that I really like Um, just because their search engine I find is magnificent. So you can type in bleeding nipple and... (laughs) I don't know if now this show is no longer clean. (laughs) And then you can get concrete answers of why that could be happening, what to do, and in moments where you can't just call the lactation counselor. That's right. And it also, Kelly Mom is a wonderful resource because it's legitimate and it's evidence-based. And it's from top people in the field. You know, it's not... It's not baby center. It's not moms who had rough birth birth experiences sort of venting. Um, And, you know, those moms need support and everything, and you should be talking to them for other reasons. But during this early postpartum time, you want to stay with what's happening to just you in that moment and not going down the tunnel, the internet tunnel of, oh, my gosh, this means that blah, blah, blah is happening because it's going to be very hard for you to focus on the actual issue and, and then treat it. If you're going into the internet hole. Yes. No, absolutely. So, so incredibly important that it's a reputable source. And and that's why it's good to, you know, thank goodness we have Kelly Mom um, because it is so good. What other ones, what other websites or resources do you have for moms? I really like Jack Newman's breastfeeding videos. Mm-hmm. I think that he gives many videos out there that show like this is what a baby at 24 hours looks like while nursing this is what a two-day-old looks like while nursing and so you can watch it and get an idea of oh does this look normal um and and it starts letting you pick up on some of the subtleties of um of breastfeeding and then you can look at your baby and say oh yeah this is normal Mm -hmm. I really like the, I use his videos a lot as well. And I like, he's got a couple where it shows this is a baby who's swallowing. This is what swallowing looks like. And this is a baby that's just comforting and not actually taking any milk, but just, you know, just sucking. Yep. Yes. Which are both valid, but you know, when your baby's a newborn, they need, they need food, you know? And so we want to make sure that they're, that they're getting, they're transferring milk well And that's why you see the pediatrician on day three, you know, or like 24 hours after going home from the hospital most of the time. Um, So it gives you sort of like space to be more relaxed within that. 
like you're okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any resources for, and I don't, I am trying to think, I don't think I have any resources. So this one, if you do, it's fantastic. Um, for moms, I don't want to say mental health, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, you know, it could be, there's the postpartum blue happens to a lot of women. And then if it's more, it gets a little bit more extreme, which sometimes does happen. You want to think about having a mental health check while you're pregnant, going in and just kind of talking, talking through some of your anxieties with a, with a mental health counselor or a therapist. Um, and that's going to give you a little bit of a relationship with somebody if things do get challenging. It's sometimes hard to pull yourself out of it when you're in the middle. Mm-hmm. And so having planting the seed of like, okay, I have a number to call. Uh, I know in New York City, there's a lot that that's where I am. We have a lot of uh, neighborhood groups. So I live in Park Slope. There's Park Slope Parents. That's a place where people go. It's an internet site and they can talk about some of their problems and say, hey, let's meet up for coffee. I have a three-month-old. Can we go for a walk? I need someone to come for a walk with me. And oftentimes moms will get together. And I think that's a really powerful resource is to be around other mothers. And absolutely, because I mean, then that's the beauty of the La Leche League meetings. Even Mm -hmm. if you're just going to somewhere to sit in a room with mothers and breastfeed and and you do nothing else, just being there, just the not having to be in your house if you're going stir crazy, but also not having to worry about breastfeeding in public or having somebody who's going to judge you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and having somebody who can potentially be very helpful and in sharing what they're going through, um, and, and normalizes your experience as well. Absolutely. Especially like breastfeeding groups and the leche meetings, you see moms of babies with different ages. And so they can say, oh yeah, we went through that. And then this, the mom gets to look at, oh, you have a four month old and she's doing great now. And so it gives them perspective too. And it lets them realize, okay, I'm not going to be in the newborn phase forever. The baby will sleep for longer periods of time. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, peer support is huge. It's huge, huge, huge. They, you know, we, research does tell us that alienation is a big factor in postpartum depression. And so, especially if you, if you're kind of prone to feeling alienated, um, you feel like you might have a really supportive partner or spouse, but they're not able to kind of help you through some of this time. And we know our partners, you know, sometimes our partners are really good at some things and not so great at other things. And so if you feel like you're not going to get this emotional support that you might need, it's very important for you to have resources to go to. What are some tips and tricks that you have for partners? For partners, I think that partners can certainly feel um, and... What am I trying to say? Partners are going through their own process too, right? And so they need to respect their own emotional process of having a child. And so having a doula for the birth is, I think, really great for the partner because it gives them an ally. It gives them maybe a guide to, to know how to be a good support person. And it also allows them to feel what they need to feel through the process. And so if they're they're feeling overwhelmed emotionally, they can take care of that within themselves and not and not have to put that aside just to take care of their laboring partner. 
Um, and so, you know, I think for partners, it's important to give themselves space to feel and, and to also have like dads to call. We have a, um, there's a group here, postpartum New York, that is a wonderful resource for postpartum depression and for postpartum dads. So it's postpartum depression is really, really hard on partners, you know? And so it's like, how do they, who do they talk to? And so if you're going through that, or you're seeing, you you think there might be something going on. You need to reach out to other people so you can then feel present within it and 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 keep yourself sane because it's really easy to start resenting the situation and wanting to get out of it. Um, but what we need to do is is set tools up for ourselves to get through it. Yeah, so important. And there's research that shows that the dads also get postpartum or partners also get postpartum depression, and it tends to be correlated to if mom has postpartum depression and gets it earlier on in that and it can be as far out as a year right mm-hmm. um a little while after that is when the incidence of postpartum depression for dads or partners peaks yes so it's it, it's what you're saying it, that it's hard for them to see the person they love so much going through all this and not quite knowing how to help and and not have a place where they can unload Mm-hmm. Um, if is the postpartum New York a group that's open to everyone, no matter where you are, or is it exclusive yeah, to New York? Yeah, sure. They have a helpline. It's uh, I think the website is postpartumnewyork.com or .org. Okay, we'll look for it to add it to the show notes. There's um, also a wonderful book by Ellie Taylor called Becoming Us, and I think it's a really wonderful book for couples to read together to prepare for that time and know that relationships change um and it's okay and how do you how do you ride with the change Mm, i'm so glad you brought that up because i just connected with her yesterday (laughs) she's wonderful We, we interviewed her for our film she is just has a wealth of information yay yeah i'm hoping to have her on the show sometime um and another suggestion for parents if you're listening to this and there aren't any um parents groups that you know about while you're pregnant set up a a meetup use meetup to create a you know do in march 2016 Mm -hmm. um that wouldn't or 2015 (laughs) or whatever this year is (laughs) so that it, it relates to what you're saying of it set it up be set up those relationships and start creating that village before the birth shows up so that then when when you have your child you've got these people who you can go and take a walk with um and commiserate and share what you're going through and that's why you know i love childbirth education classes group classes for that because you make these lifelong friendships and you you see other people maybe having a harder time than you and that might give you some solace or you or with different types of anxieties and you're like oh wow it's not just me and and then you can you can talk it through and you you have each other for life after that i i have friends who their kids are 9 now and they still meet with their birth group every year they all go camping together oh wow it's amazing you know there's like really cool things out there that's fantastic. So one of the things, and I love all these tips, and I love all this, um, these ways that parents can prepare for what's coming. But one of the things I wanted to talk about as well is 
something that comes up in, in the film and is quite important is that we is it fair to leave the full responsibility of taking care of this new life and take care of their own recovery and integrate you know this psychological transformation um solely on the shoulders of the new mom or her immediate family um there was in the film trailer in the website you there was a quote that said the well-being of our, of our culture begins with the start of life with our children and how we care for them and one another mm-hmm. what do you think about all that like i know you you know you have lots of thoughts <laughs> share well, i think that again it goes it goes to you know it's so hard to cuz there's so much that needs to change mm-hmm. like parental leave does not exist paid parental leave does not exist in this country in the US um there it's we're getting better we're moving towards it but it's not mandated and so we don't have a system set up that's going to support new families we have basically we our culture thrives on individuals like yeah go you're on your own you got it you know you're so grown up we tell our kids that all the time what a big girl you know and it's sort of like we're taught from a very young age that it's not okay to ask for help in fact you're 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 better off and thriving if you do it on your own and i just think that's wrong it is so so wrong and so birth and new parenthood is this opportunity to sort of transform your relationship with other people uh to feel intimacy in a way that ne- you never experienced before um and it starts with asking for help and when you can do that you are giving this message to your children that's so beautiful it's god it makes me tear up but it's like to show your kids like look i was i was surrounded by love during your early days and so then they can grow up knowing that and then they can they can feel like oh it is okay for me to ask for help oh i don't have just my mom i have my postpartum doula i remember her you know i have my my cousins were around or my you know my aunts and uncles and i think that like like we can use this time to to build relationships with people um, and we don't need to feel alienated. Um, and if and if you don't have close family, you can then build it with community. Like start a meetup. Find your people. Your people exist. They're out there. We just have to reach out to them. And it has to start with us. You know, we can't change the whole system. We can't change state mandate immediately. But what we can do is one small little, I'm going to need help during this time. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And know that if you put yourself out there, mm-hmm. people are not going to bash you no. like you think they are. No, those are the people that, that is such a, a misnomer that we think that if we don't, if we ask for help that people are going to say no. Maybe that was our experience as a child. Maybe our parents did, but that's, that's, that's an old story. You know, if we work on our mental health and ourselves, we understand that like, that's an old story playing. That's not happening now. We grew up with that, but that's not our current reality. Our current reality is other people are experiencing the same thing and they're just as isolated and alienated and alone. And so like, it's, it's shocking to me to see these new parents, like some of my parents were like, Oh my gosh, I, I put a post up and four moms wrote back. I can't believe it. Mm -hmm. And, and and remember, like, maybe they didn't see it the first time you posted. Do it again. You know, keep reaching out. And if somebody responds in a negative way, then they're not your people. Mm-hmm. They're not right for you. And that's okay. Let them go. And 
I think it ties into that whole need of a, of, of approval, of mm-hmm. getting approval, of am I doing this right? And that I find we're constantly looking for that. And yeah. it's a natural thing. You want to have approval and you ha- want to have people like you, but trying to let go of that a little bit and say not everybody's going to like me and and like you're saying just find the people that do like you and they're going to love you forever so these are actually the people that you want yeah you know and like Bren Brene Brown's work on vulnerability is like so amazing because she talks about when you're able to say like oh man this really sucks and I'm having a really I'm really bad at this and I don't I don't know what to do when you can say that, people trust you, and they and they say, "Oh my God, I don't know what to do either." Can we just talk about this? It's not perfect, and you're not supposed to be perfect during this time. You're supposed to learn and grow and figure it out and mess up, do really stupid things as a parent. Like that's all part of making you a better parent. And so you have to be okay with, like, letting. First of all, you have to let yourself off the hook. You are your worst. We are our biggest judges and our worst critics. When we can be vulnerable and let ourselves off the hook and understand that, like, yeah, maybe I'm really bad at breastfeeding right now. I really don't know what I'm doing. But it's not because you're bad. It's because it's because you need help. Mm-hmm. And then you can usually fix things like that. Yeah. You you learn stuff. You Riding a bicycle, swimming, all these things, you have somebody teach you that. Or you do it and you fall and do it and you fall. Before you get it, why would it be any any different with breastfeeding or figuring out a newborn? Mm -hmm. It's so true. It's so, so true. Yeah. Well, tell us more, like, how can people connect with you with all your different projects? How can they follow your journey? Yeah, so I'm, my film that I'm making, which is going into a lot of this postpartum time and vulnerability and asking for help in our culture is called expecting support film and you can find it at expecting support film.com. Um, you can find me at expecting NYC.com. That's my pregnancy support center in Manhattan. And you can find me on Facebook, Christy Zadrazny. And we're going to spell that. Oh, <laughs> and my last name is Z as in zebra, A D R O Z N Y fantastic i can't wait for the film to come out um every little bit that i've seen i'm in love with i'm so excited i'm going i'm meeting with the midwife erin graham and savannah at the end of the month we're going to spend a whole week in development and workshopping it so we should have some really good information out after that yay have tons of fun enjoy the process and we'll be here waiting for you on the other side so you can share it thank you so much adriana thank you talk to you soon Mamas, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Stay in touch by following Birthful on Facebook or Twitter. Even better, become a part of the Birthful community by subscribing at birthful.com. You'll get access to bonus episodes and other exclusive goodies. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to Jody Hall about birth trauma here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.